Welcome to the Jesus Said Love podcast. This is a space where we talk about what it means to awaken hope and empower change. Listen, for over a decade, Em and I have been fostering relationships with men and women who've been impacted by the commercial sex industry. And it's through those relationships that Jesus Said Love was born. We figured it was time to talk about what this ministry has taught us and is still teaching us along the way. I promise it's going to be a place of conversation and story. And we hope you learn something new. Maybe you see something in a new way. Fun fact, you're going to hear music because Brett and I are musicians. Yep. We can't just talk. Nope. we got to sing and play too. We do. Here's the deal, guys. Our hope is that as you hear these stories, that you'll tap into your own story and that you'll be encouraged to live and love well like Jesus. Hey, Em. Hey, Brett. How are you today? I'm doing well. Hey, it's we're recording this on a Friday. Yes. The so Friday I'm, before Labor Day, which means we have I'm this really, long weekend. I'm so excited. We're going to go on a date tonight. We are. We're going to go yes. eat some Italian food, hang That's out with correct. friends. It's going to be a good one. It is. And we had an extra dog at our house last night. Yeah. You want to talk about that? Because our dog kept me up four yes. or five times last night. And then I found out there's this other dog. There's another dog in, in the, the house. house. We didn't yeah. even know about. No. Well, when you have teenagers, you say yes to the teenager and to all their friends and their friend's dog. Sometimes. So to be fair, Hattie did ask me, Hey, Henry really needs to stay the night. Is Leah going to have to go home? And I was like, Just keep Henry in your room, which is on the other side of the house. That's keep never going to end your... well. It didn't end Because well. it stormed last night. Yeah, every, all the dogs were upset. I think our dog is the only dog in history that does not bark at lightning. Nobody barks at other dogs barking at lightning. That's true. That's so. why I was up five or six <laughs> times during the night. But here we are. So we are. Continuing on in our series on abuse, and I will say we've got some good feedback just from mine and your discussion from last week, Mm -hmm. but today begins the real discussion. It does, and I'm super excited. So we have on the show today Kathleen Geiger, who is an LPC psychotherapist in Waco, Texas. She was voted Waco's favorite for the fourth year in a row. And um, she she wanted to, when I asked her, would you come and talk about kind of some particular areas of abuse, um, she honed in on one that I was kind of like, I don't know who we're going to get to fill this niche because it is one that doesn't get a whole lot of attention, one that is so prevalent as she's going to talk about with us, um, but it's the issue of neglect, the abuse of neglect. And so, Kathleen, welcome yes. to Thank you. the Jesus Thank Love Podcast. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for stepping into this space. Yeah. Okay, I'm, so before yeah. no, before we get into okay. this, I have okay. to ask this because I typically ask this of most people who are therapists or kind of in the <laughs> oh, brain world. Are you, Kathleen, able to not psychoanalyze people all the time? Or are you constantly going, oh, that guy's a narcissist? No, I'm oh, totally, that. no, 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 that's work. Yeah, no, I'm totally. So you not. can you can separate. Yes, yes. That's awesome. Yes, absolutely. I mean, my kids have never said like, "Mom, stop being a therapist," which it doesn't really bode well a lot of times. <laughs> They're like, "Mom, you interrupted me again," you know. So yeah. So you're not perfect. And you're not constantly, no. No. Well, if you were doing that all the time, you wouldn't ever really be able to just show up to, absolutely, you know, people. And I'm so thankful you're willing to come on here and 
and show up. And Brett, if you know, she's not going to psychoanalyze you, so you good, can good. rest assured. Yeah, yes. no, that, that's, that's, that's for work. your therapist. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, go ahead. I was just going to ask what what made you want to enter this field. Well, um, what made me want to enter this field? I was a school teacher mm. and then um, um, was a school counselor mm. just out of default because I I don't think I was a really good school teacher. I got like kind of cooped up in there, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. even though that's all I do is sit in an office all day. But <laughs> um, um, And so once I took that space, it was really exciting. Mm. I mean, I couldn't have told you the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist or anything but once I got into that place and started seeing kids in the high school Mm. the principal I had didn't require me to do any scheduling or testing or any of that just got to do pure student counseling Mm. and um and it was really fun Mm. and we ended up having god this is way back we had a teenage AA group in the high school and this was back in like 85 and our superintendent was so progressive we had this AIDS test this Mm -hmm. AIDS kit Mm -hmm. to be able to teach other students about what AIDS was and that you couldn't get it by touching someone Mm -hmm. or kissing or Mm -hmm. and that was like novel then yeah so yeah so progressive I mean yeah for the 80s and the AIDS epidemic that was happening at the time but that is huge yeah and so there was a a psych hospital there and so some people some of my kids did some stuff there and and so I got invited into that place and off you went. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of how life always does. It's like one thing kind of leads to another and usually what you first are introduced with, I mean how many of us are still doing our first job or our first role, first profession, it kind of morphs and you unlock yeah. these different passions and interests and gifts. Right. You know, right. so it's yeah. really cool to see right. where you're at now. Yeah, yeah. Where you started. Yeah. Well, tell us um Tell us, you, you're a therapist here in the Central Texas area. Yes. And as we talk about the issue of abuse, you know, we're doing this because, number one, within our population, this sets the trajectory for so many. It really mm-hmm. primes so many women and men to be exploited in some way to, yes. and then to be attracted to someone who starts grooming them for sexual exploitation. So we've uncovered a lot of that in our own population, but to our audience, I think the interesting thing for Brett and I is that while we weren't necessarily in the sex industry, we've learned so much and uncovered so much about our own stories, about our own um, issues with abuse in the world. And it just makes so much sense to be tackling this subject, but we don't know how to talk and give language to some of these particulars, especially the particular of neglect. Right. right. And it's like, it, can you, can you define what is neglect? Well, uh, yeah. So neglect doesn't get talked about because it's about what didn't happen. And when people talk about neglect, it sounds like they're kind of whining. Mm. Folks are like, well, what happened to you? What? What? You didn't get this or that. But actually, neglect is much um, deeper than that. Neglect is about the non-recognition of someone just mm. in many ways. It's on a continuum from 
not spending much time, attention, connection with a child, mm. all the way to, you know, overtly disregarding who they are and neglecting their very needs. Mm. But um, so the only reason that we're really here in this world is for people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, we're not here for the plants, you know. I mean, we're, we're, we're here... Because being with other people is what humans are about. And, you know, through our evolution, I mean, being close to our caregivers is what helped us stay safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so our brain architecture actually depends on the connection between a child and their mother, or their caregiver. And when there's neglect there... Um, just like the hierarchy of mm-hmm. all of your brain structure um, gets messed up or gets uh, doesn't get fulfilled or um, fully developed. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just as a baby's born, like half of, half of our brain isn't developed yet. Right. And then the other half is developed in relationship with the mother, who's generally, I'll just say mother, major caregiver, and so if that mom is not connected to us, it causes such incredible stress for the baby. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, have, you ever, um, have you ever heard of um, the still face mm. baby? Oh, oh where yeah, they do yeah, those. Yeah, I've seen that thing. Where it's the, yeah. It is really, it's really disturbing to watch. Let's but, talk about it. Define yeah. what that is to our listeners. They may not know. So the still face experiment is where um, a mother and her child, uh, they usually have the little kiddo in the, in the infant seat, and it's been done over and over and over again. And just the natural kind of behavior of, of um, serve and return, mm-hmm. you know, where the mom's like, oh, look at there, and the baby's laughing, and the baby points to something and the mom notices, mm-hmm. and they're just doing that social engagement, you know, that everybody does. And then the mom's instructed to just take her face and not look angry or distraught, but just still, just no emotions. And so within seconds, the baby sees what's going on here. Um, So much of our connection has to do with our eye input, the prosody of our voice, the way our neck moves Mm -hmm. and all those things. And so the baby's looking at the mom because what's a baby got to do other than have relationships? Mm. That's that's all there is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all they do. And so so she's and the mom's not responding. And so the the experiment usually lasts two minutes, and I can barely get through a minute of I it. Know. Yeah, and the it's baby awkward, goes the baby into gets... distress. What happens is is that the baby gets so upset you hear that squeal that you know, that you hear mm-hmm. like in the grocery store, like panic. the baby's really, yeah, panic. It's panic. And at the very end of most of them, sometimes in the middle, but more towards the end, the baby after two minutes will try to get itself yeah. out of the car seat and mm. even will will turn away from the mom. Like she can't stand or he can't stand to look at the mom's flat affect. Mm. So much so, I mean... It's easier to look away. I just have chills when I hear that because I just think... And that's two minutes. Yeah. That's two minutes. 
And, you know, part of our survival is our seeking system, you know, that we seek, you know, babies seek the breast, babies Mm -hmm. seek. And so when you're in a home where there's neglect and you get the message that you're too much Mm -hmm. or you're not, you know, you're, you're bugging them or you're just, you know, just flat affect. Or what you're needing is... You're you're too sensitive, or you're yeah, too you're yeah. too much. What you're asking for, we can't we can't deal with that. Yeah, so we just can't deal with it. So children, in order to adapt, they really shut down their seeking system. They're like, better not go there. Mm-hmm. And so this thing that they need for the very architecture of their brain to help them study and learn and mm-hmm. and be social and. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't get developed because it only develops in the context of relationships. You know what's so. interesting about that? I think about parents who um, who use the silent treatment as mm. discipline. You know, yeah. it's like your kid pisses you off, your 15-year-old pisses you off, and so then it's like, you I'm not talking wall. to you. I'm not. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and so we're, that's a form of... Because a 15-year-old brain is not completely formed. Right. And so right. it's that process is still engaged in them. Right. And we think we're doing good as parents, but yeah, we're actually participating in that form of abuse. That's right. And so talk about talk about that for parents who think like I'm even thinking I used to do this with Lucy and I thought I was doing good because she would always cry mm. about everything. Yeah. Mm. And so I thought I would use this phrase are uh, so many of the effect of, is it worth you sharing your or spilling your tears on this? Mm. And so now I'm thinking that probably wasn't the best <laughs> thing to say. Like, let her work that out. But as I'm trying to figure out how to be a dad and a parent, it's like, dude, you're crying over everything. Right, right. Well, maybe she needs to cry over everything to work that out versus yeah. it's kind of inconveniencing to me because it's annoying. And she, so is it worth wasting your tears on that? Or do we really just want to save our tears for what's really worth crying over? Yeah. Which, what is that? What is, is that? So what, what, have I that even? what have I done, <laughs> Kathleen? I've totally neglected my child. Well, you know, I, before I answer that question, I want to tell you that in order to be a good parent, that you have to have ruptures. Yeah. Because... Yeah. When you're going along and there's a rupture in the relationship and then there's a repair, Mm -hmm. you come back and repair it, what it does is it actually creates resiliency. Mm -hmm. And so it's good that we're not perfect. Yeah. If we can go back and repair that. Gosh. Mm. It okay, in order to be a good parent, we have to know that we will have ruptures. And a good parent seeks to repair the rupture. Good parents know that what they need to do is just be themselves and be real. Mm-hmm. And um, and then when a rupture happens, and we really usually know it, we can see it in their face, mm-hmm. like like hot sauce on the white carpet. <laughs> I mean, I had this visual of my daughter being like, when I was like, oh my God. And you know, you just see your little face. You're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I know. I know. Um, but it's the repair that creates that closeness 
like look how strong we are. Mm. We went through that and mm-hmm. we can yeah. we can do having a perfect childhood where there's none of that mm. doesn't offer the ability to know how to overcome obstacles. So you're good there. Mm. I mean, <laughs> you guys probably have a, a lot of resiliency. <laughs> we, you know? we have a lot of resiliency. We're, we're yeah. still working on that. We're still working so on that. I think what I want to go back to is a lot of times when we think about abuse, neglect, abandonment, we're thinking of these extremes. We we think of abuse, and this is why it's so important for us to talk about this, because we too once thought, oh, we have per- we have perfect childhoods. We were raised by, you know, Christian families who were doing da-da-da-da. And, right. and you just you minimize right. and you learn to do that. But then it, it never really works out that way because it always kind of comes back around in right. a, you know, sideways. It always comes out sideways where you've been neglected or where you've been abused or abandoned, betrayed, whatever it is. And I think it's so important for us to talk about it because neglect is also can be very subtle. It's incredibly subtle. It's, it's, so, it's so subtle that when you, when you, interview people or ask them questions about, you know, if you had neglect, they'll, they're like, no, I mean, my mom and dad were always there, but of all the mammals, I mean, we, we take the longest to mature. Mm -hmm. I mean, children are needy machines and people that, that I see that end up having neglect are people who come in like with you know, oftentimes really low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. All, they may be really productive in their mm-hmm. world, but that sense of shame, mm-hmm. because when you're neglected, it's a very shaming experience. Mm. When you're too much for somebody. Mm. Um, one of the biggest things that happens, though, is that you your own regulation, your ability to modulate your mm-hmm. own emotions goes offline. Mm-hmm. Um because like the crying, you know, um, so babies and young children and teenagers and adults like us um, can't just self-regulate. That's that's a myth mm. that we're supposed to learn to self-regulate. That's that's ridiculous. Mm. <laughs> um, we have to co-regulate because when when we are in stress, ha- being with another person and being able to mm. regulate ourselves against that person's nervous system. Mm. So taking it all the way back, you know, a little baby, and then this is no different as we get older, a little baby is in distress. Well, an infant doesn't know a thing about what's going on or why they're in distress. They're, they're just crying and they're, you know, inconsolable, right? And so when the mom is calm and she picks the baby up, that baby regulates against her calm nervous system and it calms down. Mm-hmm. And so time after time and after time of that, we learn how to regulate our nervous system. We're never meant to always do it ourselves, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, we need another person. Mm-hmm. So people that I see oftentimes have dysregulated nervous systems, mm-hmm. meaning they have a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. and they're moving a lot. You can see that or they have... Um, uh, substance abuse problems that helps mm, regulate right. you if you don't know how, how to regulate uh-huh. or if you've never co-regulated. Yeah. I mean, lots of people in neglective, that grew up in neglect may be very wealthy, 
mm-hmm. uh, families. But if there wasn't anyone there who gave them their time attention, mm-hmm. then then they have to figure out how to calm their inner mm-hmm. nervous system some other way. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's that's typically mm-hmm. what happens. And people end up, you know, not knowing why they are so upset. They can't kind of designated or mm-hmm. I want to talk about you've mentioned mother so much mm-hmm. as a primary mm-hmm. and it's interesting in our very paternalistic culture mm-hmm. that esteems you know male role and be the leader in the family and be especially in faith communities because yes. I'm talking to the, our faith community these the people who are likely listening yeah um, with this really important role on fatherhood. And I'm not downplaying that. I absolutely, mother, father, both very important. Sure. Um, But the, I think we miss, we talk a lot and assume a lot about, oh, she's got daddy wounds. She's got daddy wounds. She must have daddy wounds. But I'm telling you, I meet women all the time and it's mother wounds. Yeah. Because why, and I think a lot of us as women would say, yes, we, we, we know there's that struggle between, but talk about the role of attachment. I mean, this is primary. This is like right, right. elemental. Right. Well, our attachment is so vital to our, to our survival. You know, I mean, um, as I said earlier, I mean, babies... I mean, know that they have to stay close to their caregivers in any mammal in order to stay alive. Mm-hmm. And so the mom has to feed that child mm-hmm. that safety, that sense of what's this beautiful word, neuroception, mm-hmm. which is um, basically the ability to kind of look in your environment and see what's safe and what's not safe. And you learn about that safety from your mom. Just the prosody of the voice, the the way that you know her her movements go, the way she accepts you in, the way these little tidbits mm-hmm. back and forth, and there are many many times I think when our moms, you know, uh, for for you know their own historical yeah, reasons, you yeah, know, just out of their they probably come by it honestly, you know, don't right. know how to love themselves and nurture themselves. Mm -hmm. And so don't have any idea how to do that with a child. Mm -hmm. And so what should be instinctual, they think, Mm -hmm. may not be. Right. Yeah. Talk about a little uh, of what's happening. Let's give some context to what like neglect could look like in those maybe really formative years, because we're certainly not saying like, you know, women have to stay in the home forever and ever in order to give this kind of bond and attachment. Mm -hmm. Um, But talk about just those early formative years and the context of like what could be happening in, um, in a situation of neglect. Okay. Yeah. Like, are we talking like mom? Cause we often think in extremes like, Oh, she's using drugs. She's got a needle in her arm. Right. Okay. Well, for sure. That's mm-hmm. neglect. Well, I, I mean, I'm just when I hear the word neglect, I think they haven't eaten in five days. Yes, they don't have clean clothes. They're sleeping in a three day old diaper. So let's just talk about your so, clients, like middle class. Yeah. Like, 
So that's, you know, that's on a continuum, right? Yes. But like, for example, the, the, the girl, the woman who, who doesn't have a relationship with, you know, her mom, let's say, and she's got her own issues self-described about being close to her own children and being irritated, you know, mm. more times than not. So in talking to her, I'm like, what's your relationship with your mom like? She was like, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, she was there. And when you ask more questions and like, can you tell me uh, the quality, of, like describe words about your mom, you know, this is from the attachment inventory, right? So she'll say loving. I say, okay, tell me a time when you remember in the relationship you and your mom having a loving experience. And they'll be like, uh, well, mm-hmm. uh, and so what ends up being evident is that the mom was around or the dad was around, but there wasn't a personal relationship with that child where, I mean, somebody's got to be crazy about that kid, you know, totally. just like, like that's the greatest fun kid mm-hmm. and wants to be around the child in order for mm. that kid to feel valuable, mm-hmm. you know, that we matter. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, so how did you spend your time? Well, you know, I played a lot of sports and, you know, stayed in my room a lot, watched a lot of TV. And, and so they may not come out as like what looks like huge wounds, but they come out in our mental health system, like depression, anxiety, a sense of loss or floating, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, there's a concept um, that Pia Melody from mm-hmm. the Meadows um, calls a shame existence bind. And mm. the shame existence bind is um, it's a trauma wound, and it's, a, it's actually a birth wound. But lots of times when you are asking people, like, what kind of things happen or what do they remember for their child, they'll... I don't know nothing. I can't really think. I don't really remember much of my third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade years. So, so then, so my partner Sarah and I, you know, when mm-hmm. we when we do these intensives together, we'll say, "All right, let's just ask you some questions, just for the heck of it." Like, do you are you do you feel a lot of shame with abundance? Like, mm-hmm. if you have extra, like money, talent, I mean, is that something you're kind of embarrassed of? Is it difficult for you to be the center of attention? Mm-hmm. You know, do you, are you okay getting your picture taken or is mm-hmm. that something you really hate? And they're like, oh my gosh, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's literally the shame about being here. Mm-hmm. Do you say I'm sorry a lot? Oh, I say I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. All the, I'm sorry I said I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> um, and it's like, I'm sorry that I'm even existing and taking up space. Yeah. So just that sense that, I'm not wanted. Mm. I mean, not valued. That's um, evidence of yeah, neglect. That because is. And, and so is the three-day diaper, right? Yeah. I mean, they're at different continuums, but the research shows, and that's actually neglect, but it's as much in the abuse mm. category. Mm-hmm. Because for abuse... There may be connection from time to time. Uh-huh. And so parents technically through research, you know, need to get it right 33% of the time. Mm. So you can really mess up a bunch, mm-hmm. but having that connection mm. some of the time matters mm. as opposed to 
really being in a space where where you just don't feel like you do. Mm. That you're at the house, you're watching TV, mom comes in, dad comes in, they cook, you try to talk to them about something, they're really busy, they're tired. You can mm-hmm. watch TV shows and movies, that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we can do that two-thirds of the time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, um, technically in not be abusing, but, but when we're really not there because we're pretty involved in our own stuff Mm. too much of the time, Mm -hmm. this sense of not mattering is so profound that it creates this hunger inside Mm. that setting yourself up, Mm -hmm. you know, being set up for, Mm -hmm. um, for someone to come in and say, you matter. You mean just to be able to get a connection from someone or touch from someone like, like abuse survivors. I'm sure you guys know this. One of the biggest shames that they carry, mm. um, especially for those people that have had profound emotional neglect, is shame about feeling positive sensations in their body. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh my God, I can't say that. We're like, well, that's pretty common. Yeah. You know? Like it's too good. Mm-hmm. It's like someone, I'm finally getting something. It mm-hmm. doesn't even re- really matter mm-hmm. because I can connect in some way. Yeah. You know, and their yeah. bodies are working and there's a lot of shame about that. Totally. So it does. It sets you up for substance abuse, mm-hmm. you know? And um, so it's a, it's a much bigger category than we give it credit for. And how do people previously before you started recording you talked about how it's how it's reported and recorded in terms of like I got, I didn't know so so this is a big problem apparently yeah it is a big problem it is a big problem because I mean whenever the de- uh, the definition of abuse is overt mm-hmm. you know harm to a child yeah. or neglect now I don't no one's gonna take someone's child for some kind of assistance if the mom's too busy to take care of it. But what happens is, is these kids show up with these other symptoms yeah, and they get noticed that way. And mm-hmm. it's like, wonder why that kid's doing this or doing that or feeling suicidal or improper touch, whatever that yeah. can be. And so they get noticed in that way. Yeah. Or they show up with burns on their arm because they were trying to cook alone they were yeah. they were trying to make something in the kitchen yeah. and sp- scalded themselves from yeah. the microwave hot water or something yeah, you yeah. know they're just trying to make it on their own right right you know yes yeah, a good cps worker one of the first things they do is open their refrigerator yeah you know what's in there uh-huh and although that child may not be malnourished mm-hmm. they're also not getting what they need as yeah. far as you know being able to eat regularly yeah or, uh, there's tons of kids that fix every meal for themselves. Absolutely. That makes me think of, you know, the divorce rate in our country is so high. And so we have so many broken homes, right? And so in that situation, you have a single mom who's working to pay the bills Mm -hmm. because it's her. Yeah. And, you know, she may not get home till late at night. So yeah, I'm thinking about these kids that are, they come home, you know, Mm -hmm. Gus gets home at four Mm o'clock and, you know, fix dinner, like, could he fix dinner? He would. He could fix something. I don't. <laughs> he could he could fix his own cereal and some mac and cheese? But you know, in the, I, the little microwave. But, but, a but. Ten, you know, you think a ten-year-old is not 
Right. It's, it's not supposed to be that way. Yeah. Every meal. Uh, yeah. Right. And we're not just talking like a snack when mom and dad run on a date. You know, but, no, no. And a lot of these kids are taking care of their parents. Absolutely. Mm. You know, yeah. taking care of their parents. They're waking their parents up to take them to school. Yeah. They're putting right. them to bed when right. they've had too much to drink. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, I think my thought in that is just, I don't think, I don't think a lot of parents or people set out to go, you know what? I'm going to neglect my child today. No. I'm going to be a neglector. I'm going to be an abuser because <laughs> that's just what I'm going to do. It's like you, it just happens. It just happens upon you. Well, let's talk about that. Like why, who is the neglector? So give us some understanding of, of maybe how a mom or dad just in their own right yeah. would maybe unintentionally, because a lot of times this this is unintentional. Right, right. It's it's, it's uh, most likely someone who didn't get that in their own history, yeah. right? And so what they don't have is they don't have connections to other people. Yeah. And and they don't have time where they play. Mm. And 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 they don't have time where they engage mm. or or they have rituals or a lot of times Folks are so lonely in their house, mm. getting up, going to work, taking care of kids, going to school, and that's kind of all that happens. Mm-hmm. And so kind of the light is snuffed out in a way. Yes. You know? And so when we live in a, a community where there are really lonely pods of people, mm. you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's probably a place where neglect can really flourish. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're meant to be around others and, mm. you know, um, but it's a pretty scary place to be if being around other people wasn't safe growing up. Yes. Mm. Right. Yeah. And so, and so, you know, it's our responsibility, I think, as a community to notice those folks. That's good. You know, that you notice the kid that like, you know, plays by himself a lot and yeah. You notice the 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 family that you know is really busy. Mm. That as a community we take care of each other that way. Mm-hmm. You know? And you notice the mom at the park who looks completely disengaged yeah. while her kids are mm-hmm. jumping on the jungle gym, and she's just sitting there staring. Right. And right. maybe even at her phone. So yeah, we didn't even get to that. But yeah. I mean. The connection with a she's, device. Yeah, she's just worn out. She's right? done. But it's it's so interesting. Like if you're in the grocery store, and you see a kiddo maybe acting out or crying real hard, and there's there's a mom that's like, oh my gosh, I just got home from work. I got to get some food. This uh-huh. baby. But if you stop and are like, oh boy, my kids did a lot of that crying stuff. Mm. Her eyes just open up wide. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just. Oh gosh, I got mm-hmm. noticed, and it wasn't negative, and it mm-hmm. it it doesn't take that much to really include, yeah, those marginal people, yeah. and they can they can have money, they cannot, right? Mm-hmm. What a great gift to give someone that you just yeah. you see them, yeah, it's exactly. Like I see you. you know what? Absolutely, because being neglected is being invisible. Mm. Mm. So really, being seen and and. This sense of the felt sense, you know, mm-hmm. of, of being being gotten, you know, mm-hmm. somebody gets you, mm-hmm. and it doesn't doesn't even take that long. Mm-hmm. So I try to do that in the grocery store, mm-hmm. you know, um, and parents are usually embarrassed because their kids' behavior, but 
Yeah, kids, you know, yeah. little imps, you know. Yeah. Just doing, you know, whatever. But um, but we just, we really need to do a lot more support that way. Mm. What about in in the birth order? Is there any any research that would indicate, like, that birth order or size of family or things like that that we could kind of watch for or know about? Well, um, I'll... I, there is some research, but it's more anecdotal. Mm. Um, but gen, generally, if the parents want children, that mm-hmm. first child, there's a lot of pressure on that kiddo to perform and show the world that we're good parents, right? Yeah. And um, and that child usually rises to the task. Mm-hmm. There's very seldom a scapegoat that's the firstborn, mm. you know? Um, and if there is a scapegoat that's a firstborn, it happens later in life. Mm-hmm. But early on, you know, we're big achievers. Mm-hmm. and and um, But the reason it's anecdotal is it, it depends, like, on, on if a kid comes in 18 months, another in 18 months, yes. another, then, wow, there's a lot more to do than one or two people can hand. Get so much stress. Pretty quick. Yeah. 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 What about the baby of the family? <laughs> Asking for a friend. Just you curious. Know, that, that baby is one of the luckiest. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, a lot of times the older siblings, you know, really love having little sisters mm-hmm. and brothers, but you can also have really tired families. Yeah. You know, yeah. so. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I would imagine, you know, you talked about, the ability that that good parents can bring their authentic selves mm-hmm. to their children. Yeah. And yeah. when we're limited as parents to even have the ability to know ourselves, yeah. you only can know yourself in the context of community. Right. You right. have to have community to really know who you are. Right. You can't just stare at yourself all day and pretend to know yourself. Yeah. So you get shaped along the way. Right. And so if you've got... Um, Parents who don't have community, who maybe have a ton of financial stress, right? Um, it, that's really hard for them to show up. It's really, authentically. It, it is really hard, and plus they feel a lot of shame about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, but if if we think about taking all the, mm, sometimes I think parents kind of haven't. They get to where it's like, if I can't do this, it's not worth doing anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, thinking about family meals could totally yes. be frozen pizza. Totally. On paper plates, and people are kind of hanging out together, talking to each other. Like, that's great. It's amazing. It yeah. should be great. But, you know, you have a home like ours where I think right now in the middle of the pandemic, the worst question I hear in a single day, any day of the week. What? What's for, for dinner? dinner? You know, I'm so sick of it. Like, all, like that's all tired. there is. Fix your own damn dinner. I don't know. <laughs> I've been putting out fires all day long. You figure it out. Yeah. Every I think every parent gets worn out with what's for dinner, which mm-hmm. is why all the like type A. It's like meal prepping at the on the Sundays before, uh, and they plan it who out. Who are those people that? Well, do that? I aspire to they're be not that. Real. They are real. No, they're yeah. not. Yeah, they're, they're real. They, people. they don't happen. Yes, they do. They're just real, real life people, just like you, who they're, are they're little, a little more ones. motivated. Okay, I have a question. I have a question. I do too. Keep. I'm going to write mine down. <laughs> Is it possible to self neglect? And if you self neglect, is that self abuse? Well, so 
it's like self-injury, right? Mm-hmm. So self-neglect is not even having the notion that you have needs and wants. So that person's kind of that needless, wantless. Mm. Like, I don't have needs. I don't have wants. Like, um, I need to go to the doctor. I've got this thing going, but I'm really kind of too busy. Um, that's neglect. Or, you know, I haven't peed all day, you know, uh-huh. right? Uh, and and that there's not not a sense that what's going on with me needs to be noticed and recognized. Mm-hmm. You know? And then the next thing you know, you've got stage three something because yeah. you didn't want to go right to the doctor. To the doctor. Or, but these people, right, these probably grew up in homes. I, mm. I grew up in a home like this that there wasn't much time, money, or attention. Mm. And so going to the doctor was something that I felt shame about because my dad had to get off work. Mm. It cost money. I got to go get the medicine, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I learned as a good firstborn, you know, to just like not have needs and Mm -hmm. not have wants, Mm -hmm. you know, it felt, you felt it's just a shaming thing. Yeah. And, um, um, so yeah, it's something you have to work at. And I think also our culture ends up esteeming it's almost a badge of honor like sometimes that that you can keep going Mm -hmm. you can just keep going and you're going to figure things out and you're helping other people right meet their needs and have their wants taken care of but not your own and you're suddenly you know a hero for that or you're you know it's the martyr complex can kind of yeah. creep in there. Right. And it's neglect. Work that way. Yeah. It's interesting that one of the things to do if you're that adult who realizes, wow, you know, I think I have, I've had a lot of neglect, you know, mm-hmm. I like, I say, I'm sorry, 50 times. Mm-hmm. Um, what you do about that is you really start to listen in mm-hmm. and notice what's happening in your own nervous system and what you're feeling and what you want and and begin to take those things seriously, mm-hmm. those emotions, mm-hmm. pay attention to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then begin to see what, what, what needs do I have that aren't, that I'm not taking care of. Mm-hmm. And it, having children, I mean, it's not selfish. It actually makes you healthier, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and the beautiful thing, I'm not even kidding you, this 33% of the time, mm. getting it right with your kids, mm. like that's good enough. There's a research called the good enough <laughs> I love mother. it. Well, that's really liberating. <laughs> and 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 honest to goodness, I mean, not that you aspire to just that all sure. the time, but you can go a long time or many many weekends 33% mm. showing up that much. Yeah. And you know, sometimes that's that's as good as it can get for us. Mm-hmm. And you know, we have to not feel shame about that and know that if it gives us capacity to be able to be there more yeah. at another time, we can right. do that. Right. Yeah. I think that also speaks to the resilience of, of our human bodies. Mm. Yeah. You know, that, that we can, we can still make it mm-hmm. if we're getting that 33%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, what kind of, if, if there are parents listening out there who, are really, I mean, I'm going to say they're listening to this podcast and they're for sure listening to this podcast series because 
they're probably already doing some sort of reflective work. They, they're concerned if they're listening to, you know, a podcast on the issue of neglect and abuse. Um, so these are people in the world who, who already care about some of these issues of justice, but for sure have their own failures and shortcomings like we all do. But what would you say to the parents listening are kind of signs of neglect that maybe we might not be paying attention to in our children, even if they're like, let's say toddlers and then early childhood, teens, um, we don't have to go into adult. You've already mentioned that of what, what neglect presents as in adults. But, um, you know, if you've got a toddler who can't do this or, or isn't doing this, or maybe your friend's kid, you know? Well, one of the, one of the, through the attachment studies of the strange experience experiment, Mm. you know, that's been done, replicated over and over again is children who have difficulty soothing. So the experiment has the mom leave a room and the stranger's there. And then the stranger plays with the child. The child gets upset, which attached kids do that. Mm -hmm. All the way disorganized or avoidant or anxious kids. But the difference is, is that when the mom comes back in the room, the kid that has good attachment is like, hey, mom. And then they connect up and then they just go about their business because there's resiliency in there. Um, The kiddo that's anxiously attached is mostly the one we're talking about here um, well, about 50-50 to avoid it, but is is the kid that when mom comes back in the room, the kid just can't settle down. Mm. You know, mom's back and they're still kind of crying and upset mm-hmm. and crying and upset. And it speaks to what you were talking about. Like, uh, we have this notion in this country that um, that kid's just crying to get attention. Mm. Oh, and, yeah. And mm. so what I say is like, well, then give him attention. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, that child's trying to manipulate you. Um, what do they need? Let's see. Maybe it's a maladaptive way of getting your needs yeah. met. But, you know, when a child can't be soothed, it it speaks to the very fabric of mm. that child doesn't know how to even regulate with you. Yeah. So if that, that's a little kiddo you have. What's beautiful about our brains, the neuroplasticity, mm-hmm. you mentioned mm-hmm. that in, mm-hmm. when you guys were talking mm-hmm. And that our brains can actually change. And we didn't know that till about 12 years ago. So cool. And, wow. and that it'll take a little while mm. of that connected, mm. soothing voice. I mean, the word soothing is, mm. is part of that attachment piece. Mm. But to be able to be like, I need to be able to, to mm. be here and not try to do anything other than just be. Mm. Um, so kids who just who can't can't settle down can't, can't settle soothe. can't soothe or the uh, the other is the avoidant mm. you know the kiddo who you know be God, be leery of those kids that are like the quiet ones mm. like that they're just like hey I haven't heard from her all day mm. she must be playing pretty well you go in there you check on her how you doing I'm good you know those kids yeah you know I mean it's as we get to be teenagers, we have more time of that. But as little ones, playing by ourselves is really not that fun. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, so that's something to watch for. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, 
what's going on? And you don't have to do anything to remediate that specifically except just be present. Mm-hmm. I mean, just being present. Mm-hmm. And um, we know new research talks about multitasking, mm. how, um, how difficult that is mm. for children. Mm-hmm. That if you're going to do something, just do it. Yeah. And then you can talk on the phone, just do that mm-hmm. and then do the other. Mm-hmm. But don't multitask because mm-hmm. that's com- that's nobody gets anything. Yes. Including you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think about just having those conversations where, you know, first of all, if you're having kids, like it's just not always going to be convenient. They're no. not on your timetable. This isn't no. a nine to five job. Right. This is around the clock care that you sign up for. Needy machines. Needy machines. And then when they develop language and their own opinions and they want to talk about it. Then it gets worse. And then it's late at night. So the thing that I thought was really interesting in this training with Bonnie Martin, who'll come on the podcast a little later, is you're not supposed to say that; it's a secret. Oh, but she already well, said it. I already it last said it. Night. Oh, yeah, 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 I did say oh, it last yeah. time. Oops. Yeah, I did say it in our intro. Um, <laughs> but she talks about how the first stage of development in the brain is like you know, like well, I guess zero to five is like a real fast growing time, and then you kind of get this break, and then it's like twelve to seventeen. Yeah, big pruning. Oh my gosh, and. I remember my oldest was about to be 12 when I was at her training and she said that and I had this like keen awareness of like, you know, now you really need to show up. Like you kind of think, oh, you can make your own mac and cheese. You can stick a frozen pizza in there. I've got a lot of work coming up with the organization that we're building, but... This is a huge time mm-hmm. in 12 to se- And you look at suicide rates, anxiety, depression in teens. You look at how connected they are and what they're finding on social media mm-hmm. to connect with. Mm-hmm. Even just the sexual connection with yeah. porn. Yeah. I mean, it's like they're looking yeah. to be soothed. Mm-hmm. And if we're not showing up for them as parents, someone somewhere yeah. will. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? Um, because we're going to get the soothing somewhere. Yes. You know, um, or we're going to be super avoidant. One of the places people get soothing from is an animal. Yes. I mean, you'd say, what's, tell me a safe place or the safest safest person. You, I don't say person anymore, being that you've ever, uh, and a lot of times it's an animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know that was off topic, what you said, but... Yeah. And that's a good that thing, yeah. but it can't be all. Right. It's interesting. I've actually seen a whole, you see a whole lot more emotional therapy dogs. Dogs, yeah, in the world. And I, maybe it's just that more places allow them in now. Yeah. Or more people are using them. Well, mm-hmm. I think really good parents are helping their kids get them. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Right. They see that they're their kiddos pretty anxious and Mm -hmm. they may not know exactly what, but they know that this, this kind of works, Mm. you know, so. Talk about how as parents, what does it look like for you as a parent to take care of yourself? And what does that do to model for your child that caring for yourself is not bad? Well, I mean, you're the you're the one that they're looking at all the time, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you just look at little kids. I mean, they're always looking at the adults, mm-hmm. and they they know you better than 
you probably even know what, what you know yourself, you know? So you're modeling all those things for them. And so, you know, when you take care of yourself by, you know, you did something, made a mistake and you're like, ah, that happens sometimes Mm -hmm. to me. I mean, that's, that's a caretaking statement. And that kid's like, well, that's probably happens to me too. Um, just providing language, just providing language for where you and compassion, compassion, and remembering that we—I mean, we are not supposed to be perfect. Yeah. That, like, there's—I mean, reality is is that we're perfectly imperfect. So, so when that happens, it's a really good model to like, yeah. Now, what do I do next? You know, mm. dang. Um, but you have to be able to give that to yourself and know, because mm. if I know that I'm human and I'm going to like mess up and make my kid's face look contorted because mm-hmm. I screamed about the mm-hmm. white carpet. I mean, and I have some compassion for myself more times than not, mm-hmm. you know, then I can give that, you know, to my to kid. Um, right, right. If I'm walk, oh, go ahead. No, no. If I walk around as a needless, wantless um, or I'm not saying, I don't mean that flippantly, but maybe I have that. Yeah, disposition. Maybe mm-hmm. I've been neglected, and I'm yeah. and I'm living as though right. I am needless, wantless, which right. I'm not. No one is. Right. But that's what I'm presenting to my child. Yeah. Then they can, I, I guess, like internalize that, and then then their needs aren't welcome, and their needs aren't yeah. wanted. Yeah. And so then you neglect them too. Well, you know, if you're needless, wantless to yourself, you're going to be that way to others, yeah. right? Right. And so if you're listening to this podcast, you're like, God, I think I've got a little of that juice going. Mm-hmm. Then then you, you're like, oh, man, you know, my kiddo wanted to do this and such. And, like, I just wanted to do on my phone. Mm. So being able to say, you know, the other day, you know, let's spend some time together. Mm-hmm. This is going to sound a little bit weird, but... We like weird around this here. Is, this is going to sound weird, but it's it's powerful. So there are a lot of parents that I work with who really don't enjoy Mm. being with, for long periods of time, little children. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't want to play on the floor. They don't want... Those Mm -hmm. are just not things that a lot of parents want to do. And sitting and listening and all that stuff, they're like, oh Mm -hmm. my gosh, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, If I... Many times, I mean, yeah, a lot of times, I'm like, all right, do this. For one minute, we're Mm going to sit here. And we're going to do this thing, whatever it is in the office. And and tell me how long that minute is. And they're like, oh, I'm starting to get anxious, man. So the suggestion is to, with your watch, look at your watch. And mm-hmm. if you're lucky enough to have one of those Apple watches, mm-hmm. put it for a minute. And tell your kid, you know, hey, come here. Look at, I, I just want to love on you and hug you and have you fill me up with mm-hmm. all this love and you do that, a minute is a long time. And then your watch beeps. So you're like, okay, sweetie, I'm sitting it for another minute and an hour. And then you're coming over here. Mm-hmm. Now that sounds like <laughs> that is so not enough. But if you get five powerful minutes in mm. on days that you don't feel like doing anything, mm. that's powerful. Because mm. all of us can do a minute. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you can graduate to two or three. Mm-hmm. But parents need to know that they can then kind of break, okay, do something else, and then uh, come back. You know, just a system by which they don't feel 
Like it's an all or nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Either I'm a good parent or I'm not. I think that, you know, it's interesting in that time frame when we're talking with different phases of development and some parents, it's like, oh man, I could play Legos and blocks and roll on the floor all day long. But then the emotional space and capacity that yeah. raising teenagers takes up feels a little bit crampy and inhibiting. Yeah. And I, I really, I can't handle the drama. So they need a tool for that. They need a tool for that. Right, right. Yeah. They, they need a, a tool for the teenagers. And so, <laughs> yeah, so a great tool for teenagers is, <laughs> is that you're just like, this is what you say. I'm listening. Keep talking. Okay. Yeah, nope. You got to say it respectfully, and then I can listen. Okay. Keep talking. And you're just like breathing, regulating mm-hmm. yourself. And they keep talking, and they tell you how all these things are. Uh-huh. And you're like, wow, that's really interesting. I mean, that's, that's, that's all a tool. You, that, hey, I mean, that, that is the like best tool I've been given. That's the gold standard. Oh. And for husbands, too. That's a total gold standard. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, because, you know, I mean, you know, just just the nature and not that men and women are really different, but yeah. we have a lot more words, right? Mm-hmm. And if a lot of times people just nod and grunt, mm-hmm. you know, we are good. <laughs> and so are teenagers. I mean, not... Not that that's all the time, but a lot of times we just need to be heard and have a space held for that. And I think as parents, sometimes we're so focused on our responsibility to fix whatever we see is wrong. And it's like teenage years is not even the time really for that unless they come to you and say, can you help me fix this problem? Then they're they're not there talking to you so that you can fix a problem. You will see very few books on the shelf about parenting teenagers. Mm. Because it's a whole different ball game. Mm. I mean, it's when by the time you're about twelve or thirteen, you've probably learned mm. just about all those character traits mm-hmm. or styles of relating, and so the rest of it is is kind of mm. you know um, pruning or reinforcing or mm-hmm. correcting, and so you really become a consultant. Yeah, I mean, yes, and not like a not like permissive. But the person that you're like, hey, you know, um, I want to trust my kid and yeah, and see them the way they want to be seen, and then my corrections are are held in higher regard, right? But that is really hard. Yeah, it's so hard. So if you can just like go, oh, tell me more. <laughs> really, that is something else. Right. We need. We get a chance to try that when we I've, go I've, home. I've, with I've two actually kind of been doing it on the phone while we've been talking. Oh, I'm trying you? not to neglect. Our middle oh, child, okay. yeah. who um, apparently needs to be driven to babysit at six. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, cool. And so um, she's <laughs> yeah. called twice. You, okay. if, you, if you go back, you'll hear the phone ring because yeah. I didn't have it on silent. Okay. Phone like, call number yeah. one in podcasting. Um, but then I thought, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to neglect her. I'm going to look. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. We thought sis was on deck. So, and apparently we'll make not. Sure. So, you know. But how great. I mean, to say, like, I'm so glad you let me know. Yes. Well, I didn't, I didn't say that. What I said was, um, I'm in a podcast. What do you need? <laughs> That's good, too. And what'd hey, she say? I'm in a podcast. What do you and need? She That's said, um, I'm supposed to be at so and so's house to babysit by six, and I can't be late. What time are y'all going to be done? And I said, when we're done. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> no. I kind of did that to be funny. 
you're not. And then she said, not to her. Then, then she says, what time will that be? And I still haven't answered yet. Okay. Well, answer. We're wrapping up. Say, say, on our way. Say, I got you, baby girl. Yeah, that's I right. We'll make sure she, you get right. where you need to be. I have got you. You relax. That's right. Bless her. Relax. Oh, now I got girl. multiple question marks. Okay, yeah. Does so Hattie need to take me in the van? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Oh, yeah. So see, I thought Hattie was. Okay, so oh, I got to yeah. reframe this, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Look how responsible <laughs> she is. She is. Oh, look there's how no res- doubt. I mean, my gosh. Yeah. Like, like she's question Headed mark, question mark, right? Yeah. So she's like, hey, I got it. I got this responsibility. Yes. She, no, she could run the show. Yeah. She's, she is very no, responsible. Well, we've raised our kids. Don't be late. Yeah. And right, so they do like, honor cool. time. That's cool. Yeah, they and she like said, I, I said, what time do you need to be there? I can't be late. Yeah. Like, I like that ethic. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And, and so she just, said, yeah. I said six. And I'm like, well, it's 515. Yeah, I know. But see, we she's prepping. We don't live prepping. in a big city. She's just making sure. She's making well, sure. Well, then she outed you. Yeah. She said, I told, I told, I could, I told mom <laughs> I could get she did. a ride. So that's why mom told me today and said yeah, she we'll was great there. in doing that. Yeah, we'll be there. We'll be there. Look at this. This is all happening in real time. Real time, guys. We're not <laughs> neglecting our teenagers. We will respond. So yeah, just but just that basic response, mm. like, oh, okay, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, part of it is if I didn't respond, she'd keep blowing my phone up. That's and true. that's what she should do. <laughs> exactly. Because she's a needy machine. And she you is and a let needy me just machine. tell you, if she's the quiet one back in the room not needing anything, that's what's scary. Yeah. Yeah, no, we don't have those. That's true. <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. So the squeak. Squeakier they are, the That's better. what we want. Yeah. You want squeaky. Yeah. Okay, that's so, good. so hear that, people. Okay. You want squeaky. The squeaky. good. that's so good. Say that one more time. <laughs> so you want a kid that's really squeaky and complains and mm. tells you and, you know, because they're letting you know what's wrong. Mm. So the kiddo that's like, hey, I'm good. I'm good. Mm. Yeah, that's, a, that's scarier because you, mm. you don't know what else is there. And a lot of those oldest... They okay. have that tendency yeah. because they just, they're getting along in the world. They're picking up the slack for yeah. so many. Yep. And their esteem has come from being uh-huh. the big girl, being, being the, the big, big girl, boy. You're yeah. Help. yeah. 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 Um, well, I am, I am so grateful for your wisdom on this and helping us break down um, what neglect really looks like on a very practical Every day kind of level. Are there any last thoughts as we close out that we might just really want to know about? Well, I have have a couple things that I think would be helpful. One, um, trauma is a relational experience and arises more from our sense of being alone and with pain and fear than from the event itself. Hmm. Mm. So... Like we can like handle almost anything if we if we've got mm. someone there with Gosh, us. Isn't that the truth? I mean, if if this terrible thing happens mm. and someone's with us and they're gonna be with us until we mm. don't need that kind of being with mm-hmm. so much, but they're they're sticking it out with us, yeah, then but to be there alone with it is the worst. The feeling yeah. of of being alone and, and neglected, just, yeah, we just don't even see you. Yeah. It's, it's the worst in the world. Or, or people will be like, you know, my, my actually that, yeah, my kid got shot, but doing pretty good. Right. It's like, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Go in there. Yes. So being alone with it is, um, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you being the safe person, that is the treatment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Safety is the treatment. That's so good. Yeah. Um, thank you yeah, so much yes. for sharing with this us. Fun. I hope that as you've listened to this, um, hope has been awakened. You know, what, what hope can we hold out for survivors of neglect? Oh my gosh. Yeah. The repair is there. Mm. I mean, it's always there young, old, that our brain is ready to move around and mm. change and shift circuitry, mm. you know, just to be compassionate with ourselves and. I mean, that's really where it starts. For those of you listening who um, perhaps had parents who were addicts growing up in the home, um, and therefore you're listening to this podcast, and you're like, man, I, I didn't realize how that impacted me. But, you know, yeah, I've been needless, want, I have the needless wantless juice yeah. going on. Like you said, Al-Anon is an amazing group right. where you can be so cared for yeah. um, and really present yeah. What are those needs that you have? What do you, yeah. even if it's in the form of questions, things right. you might not understand, it's a safe space, like yeah. you said, to get um, nurtured and cared for. So I do want to just recommend that resource. Well, then I want to throw out a couple of things. Number one, just to bring the text thread full circle, <laughs> um, Hattie is going to take her. Okay. So she's going to be early sure. and happy and great. Okay. Uh, number two, um, Get a good therapist. Absolutely. I think it's great. Yep, yep. And I will add, I actually saw this this morning on the TV. Um, MHMR actually has a free counseling, Mm -hmm. like grant funded. You can schedule a time and go sit down with a certified licensed therapist and talk. Yeah. And... You know, I've, I've, I've seen it that, you know, you, you have friends. It's one thing to talk to your friends. It's one thing to talk to your spouse or your partner or whatever. But to, but to be able to sit down and process with someone that has actual tools mm-hmm. to help you work through some of those issues is very, very important. So if money is an issue and you can afford, you say, I can't afford a therapist, mm-hmm. there are free resources yeah. to get good therapy. Would you Absolutely. Totally. totally. Do yeah. it. Go. Absolutely. Where you can just like be who you are. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just let somebody meet you where you are. Right, right. Well, Kathleen, um, where can our tribe find you? Are you on the worldwide interweb? Do you want to put that out there? I know you're probably booked solid forever, but I tell you, yeah. On I think everybody's on the worldwide web, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, But I appreciate being asked. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. And this has been such a valuable tool. Um, for notes on this podcast, resources, and even some of those YouTube links like um, the Still Face and the Stranger Experiment, um, yeah. those we can hyperlink on our podcast page so that sure. you can go and look at those resources. And then anything else Kathleen wants to give us, we'll be sure to hyperlink that yeah, on this podcast. podcast about, yes. about that you know, emotional neglect that would be helpful, I think. Absolutely. And keep sending us your thoughts, your questions, your pushbacks, your all of it, all yeah. the things. Just we, keep sending it we can handle it yeah let's keep talking we're excited you're here and as always remember to share the love
Hey, thanks for joining the Jesus Said Love podcast. We are so glad you have chosen to awaken hope and empower change with us. We want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a review Yes, because your voice matters. It's how we get this message into the world. And lastly, be sure to follow Jesus Said Love on Instagram and Facebook for up-to-date info and visit the website at jesussaidlove.com for how you can join the JSL fam. Until next time. Share the love.